Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you again to turn with me to the 51st Psalm. Psalm 51, we're again, if you're just joining us, if you're just joining online, we are in week three of a several-part series of messages um, entitled Revived. And we are visiting in with David, who is praying the, that penitent prayer to the Lord after his fall with Bathsheba. And um, we're visiting him, we're learning from him some key principles that are required in life for you and I to live revived. We've covered this week to week, but we don't want to run from revival to revival to revival. We want to be revived and live revived. Amen? So if, uh, to, to live a revived life, there are elements of a revived life, as we've learned from David, that begin with repentance and they continue by walking in reliance upon the Lord's strength. And again today, David's going to introduce us to another principle for revived living that's vital for living a full revived life in Christ Jesus. So I, I want to talk to you today about a subject that when I begin to speak about this subject, you may have less than, there will be, there will be something in an obligatory sense that will make you as a believer feel obligated to, to do this. When I say these things, you, there, there'll be an agreement, you know, you, yes, that's, that's the, yeah. Because you've heard all your lives that you need to be in your word. And you need to hide the word in your heart and you need to, you know, you need to commit scripture to memory and, and, and all those things. I remember as a kid in school, um, we used to have, I went to a Christian school and we had nine monthly verses and uh, nine monthly scriptures, I think they were called. And, uh, and when I say nine monthly, like you remember going to Sunday school and you'd have this one verse, right? No, 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 we had like a chapter. And over the course of that month, you would read that chapter and read that chapter and read that chapter and read that chapter until by the end of the month, you were able to stand and recite said chapter. I mean, you had to, you had to recite from memory to get your credit for it, that entire block or chapter. I mean, it was several, several verses. And, and we, we've heard that we need to read our word, and we've heard that we need to commit the word to memory, that we need to meditate on certain truths. But if we're not careful to explain the why, then it can just become something that we all sit around in Christian circles and daub our heads a little bit when it's mentioned, but miss the whole heart and the reason of why this is so vital to us. And the downfall of that is, is that we're setting ourselves up for adversarial attacks and pursuits that will be damaging to our spiritual well-being and we again find ourselves in between those peaks and valleys where it's up and it's down, it's up and it's down and we're just vacillating between hot and cold because we've not caught a hold of this as a principle for living. So, you know, what it, what it amounts to, sometimes we've heard it so many ways that we need to, 
you know, we need to be in the word. We need to study to show ourselves approved. We need to do all these things. And it almost can feel like a maintenance for you and I whereby we are engaging in practices to maintain our own righteousness. And, and the truth of the matter is, the, the adversary, your adversary knows scripture, but in him there is no righteousness. And the truth of the matter is, you cannot even now, as a born-again believer, do anything in your power to maintain your righteousness. And the, and the reason this begins to feel like a drudgery or like a, a heavy burden is because we've been tasked with this and we have the feeling that somehow or another it's a part of being a good enough believer that we're going to maintain our own righteousness in some way. And what happens is we become demoralized with it because we are in a pursuit that we can never attain. And some people say, well, it's... it's you know, if, if you really love the Lord, if you're really passionate about Jesus, then you're going to do these things. Let me tell you something. You can be passionate about Jesus. You can really love the Lord. But if you're engaged in a pursuit or a work that you will never achieve, you will be demoralized and you will quit. There's nothing more discouraging than being in the middle of something that you know has no end to it has no attainable ends you're just like what am i doing this for i mean why why you know some of you have had managers like that you know they tell you to do something you're like <laughs> because nothing sucks the life out of you anymore than feeling like you have to work to maintain your own righteousness and 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 again you might feel like it's because someone's not passionate is not because they're not passionate it's because they're working at an impossible task and David reveals the heart of God in this matter in the course of this prayer and it, it turns out that this this matter of knowing God's truth is not just some legalistic hurdle for you and I to jump psalm it's it's actually the will of God for our lives it, it let me let me just preface everything I'm about to say and say it is God's will for your life and for mine that we know and we understand the word. So I'm not here giving you a pass on studying your word. I'm just here to tell you why it's important. Okay? So in Psalm 51, verse 6, we read these words. David is praying. He's saying, Lord, you know, I've, I've, I've sinned. Forgive me, Lord. God, I'm not reliant on me anymore. I'm relying on you. And by the way, Lord, behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. As a matter of fact, here, the, the, the Hebrew word used there for your desire means that God has pleasure in or desires that we, you and I, feel our inmost part, inmost mind, inmost heart with the truth of his word. God says, we, he, it's, it's, the psalmist says it's God's desire that we fill ourselves with truth. And the inward part here could be rendered uh, to mean properly the reins and is usually employed to denote the seat of the mind, the feelings, the intellect. In other words, that your very thought is saturated with the truth of God's word. 
And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to qualify that, so hang on to that piece for just a minute. We're going to come back around to that. And, and you may have read this in the past, understanding much of the Psalms as poetry, and you thought that, you know, when, when David says here, you know, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts, you make me to know wisdom. You know how that deal is sometimes that in poetry, there's, there's a line and then the next line repeats what the first line said, just says in a different way. This is actually two very different things. They're, they're, they're complementary of each other, but it's not a repetition. It's not a redundancy here in the text. There are actually two principles here at play, and I want to break both of those down for you this morning. I want to focus on what's being said, though, thus far far in this psalm as far as us knowing truth in the inward part and then we're going to return to the b part of this psalm and pick that up there okay listen there's there's no other way around it first of all let me just say to you that what you think about matters what you think about matters what you feel what you allow in your eye gate what you allow in your ear gate what you allow yourself to behold, to consume, it matters. It matters. And I'm not going to labor long on that because you've heard that it matters. You know that it matters. There's no other way around it. What you think about matters. That's why there's so much biblical encouragement and instruction for us that says, like Proverbs 27, uh, 23, verse 7, that says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you think about matters. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, Paul encourages the believer to set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. But how many of you know that what you think about matters? Yeah, all the hands online going up, I see them, yeah. Okay, what you think about matters, but it's not just what you think about it's not just what you think about because I'm, let me ask how many of you have ever heard of wishful thinking right you've heard of wishful thinking before and generally when we say that's just wishful thinking what we mean is that it represents a way that we wish life would be it's an ideal so to speak but it's not really our reality it's, it's usually representative of a way that reflects and not, does not reflect our real life experience. And I'm afraid that there are many in the ranks of faith that are this way as it relates to the truth of God's word. That we're here and we read the word and we read about the miracles of God and we read about the promises of God. We read about the healing of God, the providence of God, and we read about all these things. And then we close the book and we say, man, I wish God healed. Man, I wish God moved in that. God, oh man, I wish that the Lord would provide for my need. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it just be great if God would just come through that way? Wouldn't it just, wouldn't it just, we come to church, we listen to the podcast, we even read the Bible, and we think to ourselves, man, that would be nice. That would be nice if God healed, if God provided miraculously, if God delivered instantaneously, and so on, and so on, and so on. We possess some knowledge, but regardless of its depth, we never experience the reality because full, abundant Christian life is not about thinking our way to a better existence. See, there's a, there's a fallacy of daydreaming. 
And sometimes if we're not careful, again, we can treat the reading of Scripture like it's some sort of daydream. We, we imagine that it would be great if God healed like that. We survey our situation and we say, it sure would be great if God still provided miraculously. And it's always a rude awakening when we snap back to reality from a daydream and find out that nothing much around us has automatically conformed to our thoughts. But I want to change your perspective or I want to challenge at least your perspective a little bit this morning because the word of the Lord says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. See, it's not just what you think about, but it's how you think about it. When it comes to thinking about things and the, and the admonition of Scripture to, that challenge us is, challenges us in our thoughts, there's probably none more familiar than Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Some of you could recite that with me. It starts, finally, my brethren. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, think on, meditate on these things. Sit, set these at the seat of your attention. Focus on these. Meditate on them. But I want to I wanna just say something because sometimes we can, get, we can dive so deep. It, you ever been around somebody, they, they dive down real deep and they stay down real long and they come up real dry? But sometimes we can do that. We can get in the Word. We can go down so deep. We can stay down so long and we can still come up so dry. Because we have set our focus on something. We, we can set our focus on the word so much we can become so heavenly minded we're absolutely no earthly good. But I want to tell you something that God gave you the word of truth for you to walk in, to live in, and to experience victory in your life. And here if we take this word Meditate from Philippians 4.8 or think on these things. It actually means this is so much fuller of a meaning in the original language than, than what we ascribe to it here in this text. But it actually is not just thinking about, but it's to take an inventory. That is to estimate literally or figuratively conclude despise, esteem, impute, lay, number, reason, reckon, suppose. How many of you have ever faced a situation in life and based on the criteria that you're presented, you said, well, I suppose. And then as this definition goes on to say, because of what you suppose, you then conclude. You're looking at the balance sheets of life and there's a reckoning. There's an accounting that's happening as you're saying, well, these things have happened to me, and because these things are happening to me, they all add up to mean this thing here. 
When Paul says that we need to think on these things, what he's saying is you need to ponder with deep contemplation the truth of God for your life. That when you're facing, when you're looking at the ledgers of life and when you're trying to go through the accounting processes that you never take out the promise of God and the conclusion that you finally reach is that you're estimating life differently when truth abides on the inward parts and you say, what then shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can stand against us? We're reasoning the outcome of our situations and we can say, and we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. We're we're processing at a different rate than we were previously when we have the truth of God on the inward parts and rather than being bound up in anxious thought, we're able to stand and say, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow's thrown in the oven, how much more is he going to take care of me? No, no, no. My God is going to supply all of my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We're estimating our strengths and abilities at a different effectiveness than before. No longer relying on ourselves, we declare, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, because it's not just what you think about, but it's how you think about it. It's how you factor it into the equations of life. And when you're being so smart and trying to figure out all of life, don't forget to add in the truth, the exponent of truth, and see how that changes the equation. We're not all balled up in timidity, but rather we're making bold declarations, confident in God's power at work in our lives. And finally, it's not just what you think about. It's also how you think about it. And it's also how your thoughts impact your actions. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Now, in the Hebrew word, that word translated here, wisdom, also means skillful. How many of you have ever seen some people, maybe you are a person and you felt this way, that you're very knowledgeable of the things of God, but you're not very skillful at life? Because wisdom is not just the acquisition of knowledge. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know how to rightly apply the knowledge that you have. And we can can have it all down to a sound theology and a sound ideology, and we we can work through all the processes in our mind. We can can write out all uh, all the equations to a desired outcome. And you know what? If we don't get up and if we don't move in the truth that we know, we're still gonna fail, we're still gonna fall flat because faith without works is dead it's dead in other words the wisdom that God wants you and I to have provides the answers to the the most quintessential answers to the most pressing question of life and the most pressing question that any of us have asked in the last 30 years is what would Jesus do you remember it's odd that it's probably been about that long all those little bracelets came out you know WWJD everybody it's a pressing question everybody wants to know 
And it's important that we know what Jesus would do. But it's also imperative that we know that Jesus came and suffered, leaving an example for us that we should all follow in his footsteps. So the outflow of understanding what Jesus would do and understanding the truth of God is that then it needs to impact how we interact with life, how we respond. And these answers should be the conclusion we reach as a product of our own meditation in, in God's truth. Hey, what would Jesus do? We ought to be able to arrive there through a study of the Word. But knowing what Jesus would do is great, but it's all theoretical until it's exercised. James 2, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead and useless. James 1, 22. But don't listen to God. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. We don't always understand everything life hands us. And it's the things that we don't understand that often just wear us out. It, it wears us out because we are constantly, continually doing the math. And, and we're, we're reasoning and we're continually, it's just a, an emotional churn that's there and it's just over and over and over and over and over as we passionately pursue and seek answers for this life and and we do that over and over and over but somewhere along the way as you're as you're figuring out all the things you've got to add the exponents of truth to the equations and say you know what it doesn't matter because what's happening in this life is not the end all and I know that God is working things for my good and I know that he'll not forsake me I know that I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death but I don't have to fear any evil because he's with me his rod and his staff are comforting me he's preparing a table for me in the presence of my enemy I don't have to be anxious I don't have to be afraid I don't have to be defeated I can walk in victory knowing that Jesus has paid it all Paul says that we're to meditate on these truths and if we if we take the prayer of David then we understand that we need to act on these truths Lord I know that you want me to have that truth hidden in my heart but God I know also in my inward parts you want me to have wisdom which is the is the is the right application of that truth it's the it's the internal guidance system that tells me what which way to turn what step to take where to stand it's the leadership of the Holy Spirit Philippians 4 9 Paul continues in that thought to the Philippian church and he says keep putting into practice that's the operative phrase in this verse Keep putting into practice what? All you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me do. And Paul encouraged people, be an imitator of me as I imitate Christ. And everything that you've seen Christ like in me, everything you've learned from me about the person of Christ, you keep doing it. You know, we're talking about living a revived life talking about living a full life 
and a life full of God's presence will also be a life full of God's peace. And we won't have to continually try to make all the ledgers balance. Wherever there seem to be discrepancies, we add in the applicable truth of God's word. And we understand that not only is he the great shepherd, <laughs> he's also a really neat accountant. Amen? Because while we're reckoning and we're trying to reconcile all this stuff, he's already got it figured out. And in the end, in the end, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed in so much greater abundance than you could have ever dreamed. You're going to be blessed in such a greater measure than you could have ever imagined. And Paul says if we keep putting into practice all that we learned and received from him, everything that we heard and saw him doing, then, God's, then the God of peace will be with you. It's not just about what you think, but it's how you think about what you know and how those thoughts impact your actions. Would you stand with me all over this congregation today? We want to get you out of here because we want you to stop by and check in with our connect group leaders. Understand that those, those rosters have been wiped. So if you say, well, I already belong to a group. No, you don't. You got to stop by fresh and get saved. That's why we call it a relaunch. Amen. So you got you to stop and check us out, okay? There may be somebody under the sound of my voice today that you're having a hard time reconciling what you know with what you're experiencing. And this is, this is the time for you to lean hard in the grace of God. To just lift your hands in praise. Lift your hands in worship. And say, God, I, I lift my hands to you. And I trust you to fight my battle for me. And Lord, I lift my eyes unto the hills from whence comes my help. I can't handle this on my own. I can't figure this out in my own intellect. But God, right now I trust you. And I want to tell you something. I believe that I'm going to pray over you in just a minute. And I believe that the peace of God that passes all understanding is going to flood your heart and flood your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? So if you've got those, would you just slip hands up all over this sanctuary this morning? I believe God's been good to us. I believe he's already answered prayer as Pastor Lisa prayed earlier. And if there are those of you that are watching online, we want you to participate with us right now wherever you are. And if you, need, if you need salvation, we ask you to message us and we would love to just get our, our pastoral team in touch with you and follow up with you. But right now, wherever you are, if you've got perplexing situations, I want you to just raise them up right now to Jesus. And we pray, Lord, we know there are times that we assume the weight of burden that you never intended for us to carry. Yes, Lord, we, we walk through experiences and we, we suffer hardships, God, that yes, they pass through the filter of your hand. But Lord, they were never intended as weights for our shoulders. 
but opportunities for our faith. And God, I just, I pray a, a, a spirit of release right now all over this room for those that are watching online, those that are joining our online campus. God, I pray a spirit of release right now. God, we're giving these things to you. These things that have vexed our minds, these things that have weighed heavily on our hearts and in our spirits, we're giving them to you right now in the name of Jesus. Yes, our hearts are grieved. Yes, our, our spirits have been heavied by this situation, God. But right now we give it to you and we rejoice. Knowing, God, that you have made us more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to usher in the peace of God that passes all understanding. Flood our hearts, our minds, our thoughts. Even though we can't figure it out, God, give us peace and help us trust you. And Lord, we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.